Hi there. I am so excited to invite you to attend our fourth annual free virtual special education and advocacy conference. We are hosting it here at Ashley Barlow Company in partnership with Rebecca Poe Teaching. And we are so excited for a few new things at this year's conference. The first new thing is that we have not just one, but two different tracks for attendance. For the first time ever, we have created a track that is specific for school staff and teachers. We also still have that traditional track that we intend to be really great for parents and caregivers in the IEP arena. So yes, we have a teacher track and a parent track. On that teacher track, you are going to learn about things like easier data collection, gestalt language processing, behavior reading, and other super hot topics in special education practice, as well as advocacy. On the teacher and caregiver track, you're going to learn about stress management for caregivers using adaptive books, something that I have really kind of um, dove into here at my own house, inclusion advocacy, advocacy strategies, and so, so much more. That free ticket will give you one pass, one access to one presentation per hour on the track that you choose, either that teacher track or the parent track. Of course, if you are not available on January 19th or January 20th when the conference is taking place, you can buy tickets to access the conference on demand. And those tickets, of course, are available at our website, ashleybarlowco.com backslash conference slash 2024. Check out the website for more information about ticketing. This year, we also have something super exciting planned. We have decided to make this a two-day event. When I partnered with Rebecca Poe Teaching, I told her that I really feel like school districts, disability organizations, and other community organizations need to start providing trainings that are accessible to teachers, related service providers, administrators, parents and caregivers, and other community members that are interested in IEP support. What if we all attended the same training? What if we all learned information about special education practice, curriculum, how to read evaluations, that kind of stuff, about special education advocacy, how we can collaborate more, how we can work together, and even about special education laws. What if we all attended those presentations and we workshopped them together? So together with Rebecca Poteaching, I have created the Empowered Workshop Series, and we are excited to bring it to your organization or school in 2024 and beyond. If you are interested in having Rebecca and I bring a workshop to you, you can see a preview of the Empowered Workshops on January 19th, the Friday before our main conference programming. For more information about that, either send me a DM or check out the website, again, ashleybarlowco.com backslash conference dash 2024. We hope to see you January 19th and or January 20th and can't wait to connect with you. Hi everyone, welcome to the Ashley Barlow Company Podcast. I'm Ashley Barlow, your host. If you are a parent, 
A teacher or someone who works at a school, or you're a community member, a volunteer or a staff member at an organization that supports people with special education plans, a coach, a tutor, or even a grandparent, you're in the right place. Sit back with an ice cold glass of lemonade, put on your walking shoes and grab some headphones, roll down the windows and cruise. Ready, set, go. Educate, advocate, collaborate. Welcome back to another episode of Special Education Advocacy with Ashley Barlow. I'm Ashley Barlow and I'm so happy you're here. Today, I want to introduce you to my friend, Jenna Wells. I met Jenna when she was working at the Down Syndrome Association of Greater Cincinnati as the Early Matters Coordinator. I want to tell you a little bit about Jenna before we hop into our episode. Jenna Wells is a dynamic mentor and subject matter expert to numerous families within the disability community. She is passionate about creating inclusive opportunities, access, and a sense of belonging for those she has served. She has worked in the nonprofit sector throughout her career, empowering families to establish their own personal path. Jenna received a Bachelor of Science in Family Community Services with a specialty in health-related topics. She is a leader that cherishes relationship building and has a strong emotional intelligence. Jenna uses her skills to manage programs, advocate, collaborate, and educate with others. She aspires to learn and grow through her work each day while delivering results. Inspiration from Jenna comes from her family and her friends. Jenna and her husband were blessed with a son who happens to have Down syndrome. He has connected them to a remarkable disability community in which they are deeply involved. She enjoys spending time on nature walks and playing activities with her family while soaking up the rays. Throughout Jenna's life, she has been a big picture thinker with the ability to manage high ambiguity. She enjoys planning, creating, and executing a vision through fruition. Her favorite quote and one she tries to live by is, if your actions inspire others to dream more, learn more, do more, and become more, you are a leader. And that's John Quincy Adams. Without further ado, let's hop into the episode on advocacy with Jenna Wells. Hi, Jenna. Hi, how are you, Ashley? I'm great. Thank you. And thank you so much for joining me. I am so excited for you to share your story and your expertise with my audience. Why don't you um, start off and tell my audience a little bit about yourself. Um, tell us about your family, what you do, why you care about the disability community. Sure, absolutely. Well, I am Jenna Wells and I um, I have a family that um, is, I don't know, just not not your typical family. My husband is English. I'm always known as the Eng the wife of the English man um, because everyone remembers him and his accent. Um, but yes, Mark is my husband and we have four uh, just awesome boys. And our oldest is uh, 14 now. He's going to be uh, going off to high school next year, which is crazy to think about. Uh, that's Steven. And then Jordan is our 13-year-old uh, in middle school. And then we have Ashton, who's 11, and Kieran, who is nine now. So uh, they're kind of all getting older and, and keeping us busy. So Ashton is uh, our man that uh, is 
the reason why I've gotten involved in the disability community is he has uh, Down syndrome and ADHD and anxiety disorder. So um, we, you know, are learning along the way with lots of other families and it's been um, such a blessing to have the disability community, uh, you know, to walk this, walk this journey with. Yes, and that's how we know each other. And I will second that. The disability community is a wonderful place for connection and support and learning. And that's why this podcast exists. So we're going to spend a lot of time talking about advocacy and kind of lots of different ways of advocacy. But um, I think your professional background really weighs into the reason that you kind of found a passion for advocacy. So share a little bit about your professional background too. Yeah, so um, I am, my my alma mater is uh, Michigan State University. I uh, graduated there so many years ago and um, I have a bachelor of science in what's called family community services. I specialize in um, other health-related topics and and in the child development of children under eight. So I, um, it's interesting that that is the field that I chose. I wanted to find um, a way for to work with families and to support communities of people that have health topic, health, health related issues going on within their families. And then I have Ashton. So it was kind of, you know, interesting that, you know, he came along, but I'm so, so thankful because I had some of that professional background, um, went off, got married to England, came back and, um, and started my career. So we, I've been working with families for over 20 years now. Um, got involved in the Down syndrome community after Ashton was born and um, worked at the Down syndrome association for gosh, seven years ish. And then um, COVID hit, I needed to be a little bit more present with all of my boys, especially with Ashton. Um, we had kind of a, a rough year at school in third grade. And so I just knew that I needed to be uh, there for him and advocate even more. And so, um, yeah, so my, my whole career, then I went off to LEND and we'll talk about LEND, I'm sure a little bit more. And now um, I'm working at Global. So I, uh, you know, my professional career has kind of grown as I've learned along the way. And gosh, I've met some of the most brilliant people within the disability community that have, had a, that have given me the opportunity to do what I love and, and, you know, kind of go after my passions too. So. So great. So great. So when you say the Down Center Association, you're talking about Greater Cincinnati, which I is am. Yes, our local one here. And then Global is the Global Down Syndrome. Is it Foundation? It is Foundation. Yeah. Global Down Syndrome Foundation. So in the Down Syndrome community, there are, you know, we kind of say there's four nationals. There's the National Down Syndrome Society, National Down Syndrome Congress, there is the Global Down Syndrome Foundation, and then there is Down Syndrome Affiliates in Action, which is you know kind of for all the different affiliates across the country. Down Syndrome Association of the Midlands, Club yeah. 21 out in Pasadena, um, of course the DSAGC here in Greater Cincinnati, et cetera, et cetera. And so 
Um, yeah, I mean, you are very connected. I know you've spoken at some of those national conferences and conventions and, um, you know, that is a, a huge benefit by way of networking. How has your professional kind of training and background really fed into your work as an advocate? How has that like helped you to prepare for your advocacy journey? Yeah, so honestly, it's funny because I didn't know that I was advocating when I started advocating. So that came, that actual term came with my more professional training, I guess, as I um, got further and further into um, just with my children. Um, and it started with my oldest son. He um, had a speech delay when he was younger and I had to advocate for an IEP for him and to support him through that. And that was really the first time that I, I didn't know it was called advocating, but that's what I essentially was doing um, because the school um, didn't necessarily uh, see his delay as prominent enough to give him the services. It, it, we've essentially got it, um, but that was because I kind of pushed for and had to prove, you know, and advocate for him. And then Ashton came along and, and, I, and advocacy, advocacy for Ashton started at birth really, and even before birth, um, when we found out he had Down syndrome, we found out he had a heart defect. Those are, those are the things that um, kind of got us started in um, advocating um, more seriously, I guess. And, um, and then obviously it continued through um, his childhood and, and definitely when he started school and advocating at the school and um, you know, making sure that his needs are met when it came to his education too, so. You know what I love? I love that I asked you how your professional training made you an advocate. And, <laughs> but I love this. I seriously love it. And you just spent, however, like, you know, we could time it, but let's say two minutes talking about how you didn't even know what you were doing was advocacy. Now you're like, you know, add to your list of titles, advocate, and you didn't even know that that's what you were doing. And then you went and got some training because you were like, hmm, I should probably learn more about this. And yes. I, I just, I think that is such an important message for parents across the world to hear is like, you don't have to set out to be an advocate. Life circumstances make you an advocate. And then if you choose, you can get more training to be even more effective. Absolutely. And the training, the professional training, or the, I guess the more, um, I don't know, streamlined training for advocacy um, is out there. And it's, it's great. We have lots of opportunity to learn how to advocate, but um, I'll be honest, it starts with the passion. It starts with the why, right? And so that is, that's what and, and that's why I didn't even know I was advocating in the beginning and, and what I've now learned that can look like and what, you know, steps we can take to um, learn more about the verbiage we use or the language that we're um, not just verbal language, but, you know, communication in general and how we can use that to advocate for our children. Um, 
because the advocacy is not easy. It's hard sometimes. And so, you know, having the training to go behind that why and that passion and the emotion side of it is, um, you know, it's helpful to have the training behind it too. So I just did a podcast, I think it's number 43, um, on adding the objectivity to the subjectivity in your advocacy. And that's exactly what it is. It's so, I love the way you said that though, like your passion started your why. Mm -hmm. So that's the subjective, like the, well, I'm the mom and I just know, but then you went out and you saw it training so that you could make your advocacy more effective. And what that training essentially does is teach, teaches you how to blend objectivity with the subjectivity. So I love that. Why don't you tell us about some of the trainings that you have done, like ways that you've empowered yourself to be a better advocate? Well, you know, it, again, I worked at the Down Syndrome Association of Greater Cincinnati and that started, I mean, I'm so grateful for having that position because I was able to attend conferences. I was able to seek out professional development, but also development that was helping me personally too. So, and, you know, advocating for my own son, um, but also advocating for the disability community and those with Down syndrome specifically. So, um, so I attended a lot of conferences. Um, like you had mentioned before, NDSC, National Down Syndrome Coalition, they, um, you know, and actually this week is their conference and um, I'm attending this week. I think you are too. And yes, I'm speaking too. You are speaking, yes. And um, yeah, so and it's, it's just a great conference and a great place to learn more about advocacy and also lots of other topics too. But um, I always tended to kind of, um, walk towards the advocacy um, sessions a little bit more than some of the others, just because I know that um, our community, you know, I, I'm here, I, I have the honor of listening to so many families and supporting families um, and hearing what the needs are. And so having that voice for lots of families is, is so important. So that's kind of how I view my role. For sure. So I know that you've done some of those things and obviously, um, you know, national organizations that my audience that would be pertinent to my audience's causes, um, would certainly be helpful. So, you know, that might be international dyslexia association speaks or, you know, a, a CP organization that's local or national in your area. Um, or, you know, of course, a Down syndrome affiliate, something um, like that. And there are also national and local organizations that are more widely focused, like just disability or learning disabilities or something like that. And I think those are all great places um, to look. But I know that you also did LEND. So tell us about your experience in LEND. And I'll have you explain, um, why don't you start off by telling everybody what LEND is? I, I, I'm pretty sure it's an acronym. So it is, <laughs> yes. So LEND is through um, AUCD. It's actually funded through AUCD. What does AUCD stand for? Um, I am, you know, I can look that up real quick if we need to, but um, that is for, the broader disability community as well. And I just wanna make sure that I get it right. It's the Association of University Centers on Disability. So um, 
AUCD is a national organization and they, um, they provide this LEND program in certain areas of the nation. Did you have a question? So let me, I want to say something about AUCD quickly. AUCD, I think, oversees or empowers the USEDs, U-C-E-D-D, so the University Centers in Excellence for Developmental Disabilities. Um, but I think also LEND can, other um, organizations can buy LEND. So I think like a SPIN in Kentucky, we don't have a USED, we have Kentucky SPIN. Yeah, um, that's right. And I think SPIN could buy LEND and could run LEND if they wanted to. Or like, I think our LEND in, in Kentucky, if, if it is offered someplace, I think it's offered through the Human Development Institute, which other states it have It is also. in Kentucky. Yes, you are correct. Okay. Yeah, sorry. Okay, so um, I just wanted to, to say yeah. that because you know people are listening from everywhere. So no, you're, you're correct. Yeah, so um, every state does look a little different. And in Ohio, where I live, it's, um, there's actually two USEDs and there's two LEND programs, but typically, you know, there, there's, in some states, there might only be one. They are few and far between the LEND program, um, typically one or two per state. So it is, um, it's a great opportunity for someone that wants to learn more. LEND stands for Leadership Education in Neurodiversity, or in, in, <laughs> Leadership Education in Neurodiversity and Related Disabilities. So, um, so we basically learned a lot about leadership advocacy. Um, there we followed um, a certain protocol of topics that we wanted to hit on um, that you know supports the disability community as a whole. And we followed through and AUCD, the reason I mentioned AUCD is because that is another really good place if you're interested in advocacy, they have a lot of information about advocacy. And what they do as well is they kind of, for me anyway, they, they kind of dumb down some of the, the terminology that I'm not so great at. Um, not a lawyer like you, Ashley. So some of those words I don't necessarily get. Um, well, but there's a lot that, you know, I think that's, that's a really great point that um, I, it, it, so we all have to start someplace, right? And yeah. like the, the, the it, it drives me crazy when people don't just ask questions, you yeah. know? So yeah. if you don't understand something, ask a question. Yeah, you might feel like a fool, but if you have a question, somebody else probably has a question. So you might be helping somebody. But in addition to that, like, it's okay that it's new to you. You know, it's okay that you are here. You're here to learn. Um, and so ask questions, you know, I think that's the, that's another sign of a good leader. It, it certainly is. And, you know, asking the questions and then really listening to the answers and then following through with, with um, what you had, had heard is another really important step um, in leadership as well. And so, yeah, yeah we learned a lot um, within LEND program. It's, it's very intensive. It's uh, a lot of work. We do a lot of project work. We do research. Um, and so, and we get to go to um, our state legislators. We get to go to our national legislators through LEND. So it, uh, it was a great opportunity for me and I'm just so thankful that I got to complete that and 
And now I get to move forward and uh, work at Global Down Syndrome Foundation, who also, you know, is, um, you know, they focus on, um, on education and um, their, their, um, I've lost my train of thought here. They, they, they focus on their research, their medical care, their education and advocacy. And they do a lot of advocacy as far as um, making sure that um, our loved ones with disabilities are, are, the voices are heard and we're getting funding that we deserve, you know, especially in the Down syndrome community. It's, um, it's quite interesting that, you know, the Down syndrome community doesn't get funded as much um, for some of the research, but yet we're one of the most common genetic conditions out there. And so um, that's you know, something common that, genetic yes, condition that we are the, the most. So yeah, but yeah. We, 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 I doubt the NIH will listen to this podcast, but we should say thank you to the NIH for the we tens did. of millions of dollars that were recently released in the last year. Oh my God. Yes, so, I know. Yeah. It's so exciting. Thanks to organizations like Global and Advocates yeah. across the world, um, or I guess the country. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that that is a really big piece of it. And so, you know, you found your training through Lend, but I had Diana, Diana Abril on um, in an earlier podcast. She did Partners in Policymaking. Oh, yeah, um, that's great. There's, you know, there's other... Um, big things that you can do. You could go to COPA's um, seat 1.0 or 2.0 if you're interested in specifically special education advocacy. You could do more with Ashley Barlow Company if you're interested in that. I think the key is, um, you know, to get more advocates, some kind of formal advocacy training if you find yourself in a way of needing it. Um, and so that kind of leads to, um, you know, some people can't, like we are busy as parents of children with disabilities, maybe grandparents, maybe teachers that want to do more. Um, and so I'm curious if you can give us a little bit of a primer, um, you know, kind of like Advocacy 101 from Jenna Wells, after your Lend experience and all of your professional experience, um, what could you give some pointers or some tips that would help people that are kind of feeling like, oh, maybe let's say intimidated by their role as an advocate? Yeah, and you know, some of this might just be based on what you're advocating for, but like I mentioned before, I think the big uh, the big starting point, I guess, is to find your why, is to find your passion. What, what do you need to advocate for? What is your big, um, that big why is what's going to push you forward and keep you moving forward. Um, because that's what I, I know sometimes in advocacy, it, it does get hard. And sometimes I get over emotional Sometimes I don't know how to handle situations. And so I have to go back to my why. Like, why am I here? Why did I get started in this particular piece of advocacy in the first place? And so um, that is gonna be kind of your starting point. Um, and then write your story. I, I think it's so important for people to write down their story and know exactly um, what they can say and once you 
tell your story a couple of times, you will remember it. It's not something that, but when you're first starting out, writing it down on paper, I think it really helps you to think through and then you can tweak it. You know, if there's an aspect here, an aspect there that you didn't like the sound of or how you came across, um, you know, you can tweak those things, but your story is really going to um, make the biggest uh, impact um, when you're advocating as well. And then just getting involved, like you said, um, getting involved with your local um, organizations, um, getting involved with your school district, getting involved with the people that um, you're going to softball practice with, wherever you can take one step in your advocacy, like maybe your child um, is only put into, you know, the soccer, the soccer game during one quarter. Well, you might have to advocate to, you know, get more playtime. So it just depends on how small you want to start. But those are all advocacy moments. And we don't even know that they're advocacy moments when they're happening. And like I said, so it's, you know, I, I think to just start small and try and find the, the small pockets that you're really comfortable with first. And then you can build upon it as you learn along the way, which is what I've done. You know, I've yeah. I, now I got to go to Washington, D.C. I got to speak with legislators and I wouldn't have thought five years ago that I was going to be doing that um, because I wasn't there yeah. yet. Well, and let me tell you, I mean, so I love what you say about writing it on paper. First of all, that is like an Ashley Barlow um, uh, tip. <laughs> tip yeah. of the I outline everything I'm going to say in any meeting with my school district because otherwise I will be like squirrel and go on some tangent about celebrating Jack's hilarity or you know something like that and then I'm like but wait I actually wanted to talk about standardized tests or you know something like that so that helps me and also certainly I mean if it's something emotional it helps me stay on track too um but I remember the first time I got invited to the Buddy Walk on Washington, which is a hill day. Um, you know, what happens is, I don't know if, if NDSS still does it, but the National Down Syndrome Society um, had used to, and I would assume still has, this weekend where you go and the first day you get a lot of training on, you get basic advocacy training, how to make an ask and how to behave in it. Um, Congress person's office, what to call them, that sort of thing. And then you get trained on what the specific agenda is for the organization that day. Um, and then the next day they schedule meetings for you and you go to the different legislators. And I was intimidated as all get out. Yeah. But before I went, and before I'm sure you went for LEND, um, they give you this thing that says, okay, bring a picture of your child, um, tell a little bit of your story. Here's what we're going to talk about. See if you can make that pertinent to your family. You know, if it's Medicaid, then is your family on Medicaid? Is your ha family having trouble getting a waiver? Has your family been on a waiver waiting list for a long time? Something like that. And so they made it, you know, make it pertinent to your family. And all of a sudden I realized all that we are trying to do when we do legislative advocacy, when we go talk to Congress people, is we are trying to put a face with the name. Yes. When a Medicaid issue comes up, they're supposed to think about that wild little boy in Kentucky. Yep. And that way they're thinking about people. They aren't just like, yeah, Medicaid, you know, whatever. And like, 
I could talk about Jack Barlow all day long. And so if you're watching on YouTube, I'm plugging in my computer. Um, (laughs) So, you know, that like simply telling your story and going back to your why is really, really effective and very important in the world. And then all of a sudden, when you do that, you realize, oh, they actually really care. They want to hear from their constituents. Absolutely. And it's the same, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I created a a one pager. I had my son's picture all over it. I had all of his loves and his likes and what what we were there for and putting that face. And and I actually do that for when I go to my son's school um, for his IEPs and his ETRs and um, I'm sure every state has different um, terminology for evaluation um, team reviews. Yes, yeah. 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 So um, yeah, and and I do that. I I take a picture of him. I um, you know take his vision statement, and I have a, pictures of him all over it because I want I want his face to be remembered when we're talking about him on paper. And that sometimes is really hard um, to do. And, and making that personal connection is of utmost importance. Yeah, that, I think that's the most important thing. Yeah, I agree with you entirely. So the last thing I wanna talk about is something that I know you are very passionate about. And that is um, compassion fatigue, caregiver fatigue, um, and self-care. So um, I know you've spoken about this topic on a national level and that you've read a lot of the research out there. Um, so what kind of tips can you give advocates out there, parents and caregivers, to try to um, focus back on themselves, even if it's just for a moment? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's funny because I listen to Brene Brown quite often and And she says, she always says, embrace the suck. And it's like, yeah, I just, some days I just need to embrace the suck. That's how, that's how it goes. Right. Um, So I take that and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, But I also have to remember by doing that, I have, each one of us has different needs. We all we all function different, we all have different needs, we all have different wants. And so um, in order for you to take care of yourself, you have to know what you find joy in. And so whatever that might be, it might be, I don't know, putting your feet on grass. It might be um, a meditation, it might be a journal, it might be a book, it might be exercise. But it, it could be as small as I don't know, sitting in the corner and um, taking a deep breath. Like it might be literally three seconds long. And if that's what, you know, how you can reconnect to yourself and how you can kind of re-energize yourself and, and I don't know, take, take some of the, the hardship out of your mind. Um, that's what's really important. And so for each one of us, that can look so different. Um, I know for me, it's getting in the car and actually driving. I like to drive. So if I am like upset about something or if I need to really just think something through, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to go for a drive. And I find a reason 
Now, sometimes it might be to a grocery store. Sometimes it might be to, to get ice cream. <laughs> to get ice cream. I don't know. Um, but it it is like that's my place that I can kind of decompress, and I I just it helps me to just get in the car and drive someplace, and it can only be around the corner. It doesn't have to be a long drive, but it really does help me to get out of my house. It helps me to listen to some music maybe in the car. It helps me. To, sometimes I'm singing at the top of my lungs and, you know, my lovely neighbor sitting next to me at the stoplight is, is laughing at me. Um, but I need, you know, it just depends on the day. But I think really finding your, um, your joy and then making sure and asking yourself, how often do you need that? And is it sustainable? Because if you find something like some people might say, well, I just need a vacation. Well, that's nice. You know, it's great to go on a vacation, but um, you don't get to do that as often. So is there something that you can do on a smaller scale um, that's a little bit more sustainable than just waiting for that next vacation? Because it might build up over time and we don't want that. So um, trying to find some of the smaller things in your daily life, um, you know, that, that helps. And I started running, it's been fantastic. I walk, if I don't run, I at least walk. Um, it's hard to find time. I mean, I have four boys and a dog that doesn't leave me alone either. So it's, uh, you know, it's challenging to find the time. And so sometimes that's when, you know, you just need a few seconds here or there. Yeah. And I, I think I love the way that you focused on the, the human, the person, mm -hmm. you know, instead of the actual act, yeah. because to me, that's exactly what it is, is remembering. I feel like parents of children with disabilities are pulled in so many different directions and we have somebody that might need us more, mm -hmm. even if it only applies to school. Um, you know, we have so much more um, uh, stress or needs that are placed on us. And then we still have the ordinary needs of being a sister or a brother and a daughter or a son and, a, and an employee or a business owner or, you know, all of those other roles that we wear. And sometimes you kind of lose sense of yourself because you're giving, 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 giving to other Absolutely. people. Absolutely. Yeah. I love the way you say, like, don't forget that you're you. So think about what you need and yes. do something for yourself, even if it's just a minute. That's super important. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Jenna, you have been so helpful and such an, an informative guest. So I hope that your um, episode today has inspired a few people to go out and um, improve their advocacy skills with some trainings, some research, some connections with other people. Um, so thank you so much for joining us and we'll have to have you back to talk about some more advocacy topics. Absolutely. I would come back anytime. Thanks for welcoming me here on on your podcast. I appreciate it. It's been fun. It sure has been. Thank you.